Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage. The tune that you're hearing is thanks to our uh, resident composer, Mr. Perry Burkham. He was kind enough to provide our podcast with uh, its own theme song now. So we're like a real podcast and everything. Wait, this this was a fake podcast before? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's isn't it like, you know, when, when someone becomes the president, it's like, and this was the night he became the president. No, but uh, you know what? I'm not even gonna. <laughs> I'm not even gonna respond to that about when people become presidents because of actions that they do. I'll just, I'll just, I'll stop. Talking. I can, I can joke because I'm Canadian. So, yeah. yeah what was the president, night that you? he became prime minister? <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Was it like I forget? Is it? Is it the knock on Trudeau that like his? father somehow orchestrated him being in power. I forget. Uh, that'd, be, I that'd be difficult because his father's been dead for a while. Okay. But, but I thought his that, father yeah. was a prime minister in the late 70s, though. Uh, okay. So okay. it's, it's uh, nepotism at its finest. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're like the royal family of Canada. Yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, we had like a, a what? Uh, almost... God, I'm trying to do math. We had a 12-year period where we just two people or two families being president and we almost yeah. we almost had it where it was Clinton's and Bush's for like 30 years straight <laughs> minus 8 yeah minus yeah <laughs> it's crazy but, but anyway enough enough politics <laughs> yeah well it's a great segue into what we're here to do and which is drink and talk about RPGs and not politics yes right <laughs> So, well, I guess we should introduce ourselves. Uh, my name is uh, David Lloyd, and with us tonight, we have uh, one half of the Talk Nintendo podcast, Mr. Casey Gibson. Howdy ho. How about, so, uh, I'm guessing uh, a little Aquafina? Yeah, you know what? It's, uh, it's funny. In my house, like, these cups, I drink a lot of water, like, all day, um... And our cups are so tiny. So the other day when I went to the Met game, like, for some reason, I was like, ah, I'll get the souvenir cup. And it, man, life-changing. <laughs> this thing holds, like, a gallon of water, and it's perfect. So instead of going through, like, three water bottles uh, for a podcast, I can just uh, work on this sucker. <laughs> so Casey's big change is more water. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and go Mets. <laughs> yes. Oh, <okay. laughs> That's a whole other story. <laughs> Uh, and we have the uh, the owner of uh, Nintendo World Report, um, and frequent. I think you've been on most of the episodes. Uh, I think yeah, I so think, I think he's, he's a regular. Yeah. He's a he's pretty a regular. regular at the pub, uh, Mr. Neil yeah. Ronahan. Um, I'm I'm doing fine. I'm drinking a Dogfish Head Indian Brown Dark IPA. Um, not normally my type of beer, but it was in the fridge. <laughs> um, and I didn't feel like uh, maybe maybe tease for a future episode um, if I still have it lingering around. 
Uh, there's a beer called Hetty Topper that's out of Vermont, and my sister recently moved to Vermont, so when I was visiting her recently, I got a lot of Hetty Topper. Hetty Topper is like a Holy Grail beer. Um, and this isn't a full episode. We're only doing like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. So I'm going to save Hetty Topper for a longer episode. But So for now, I'm just I'm just getting rid of the, the single beers that were sitting in my fridge. <laughs> bringing out the crap yeah. i mean i mean this is still a very good beer it's just like a friend left it here that likes ipas more than i do um Ugh, yeah IPAs, it's man. it's i mean it's got a very it's like it's got a nutty taste to it um it's very dark smooth though like dogfish head makes good stuff see i think that's why i must like course uh the cores lights because they're pretty much just water um right? you so. should uh more I'm gonna I'm gonna use this opportunity just to talk about all sorts of beers that I like. Um, Magic Hat is bringing back one of my favorite beers of all time, Elder Betty, uh, which is a, it's an elderberry infused wheat beer, I believe. Um, drinks mm. very it, it's it, it's not not quite the PBR beer that drinks like a soda, um, but it's it's in a similar vein in that it's 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 like really easy to knock those back. My uh uh to to. Tied to a hockey reference, I have a very good memory of the Blackhawks Red Wings Game Seven game, and I believe is that 2013. I think it was when they it was when they beat the Bruins in this in the Stanley Cup Finals. But the Game Seven game where they were down three one in the series against the Red Wings and came back and won Game Seven in overtime. Uh, over the course of that game, I drank an entire six pack of Magic and Silver <laughs> Penny. <laughs> Um, which when it got to a certain point, my brother's like, how many of those have you had? And I'm like, there's none left. Has anybody else had them? No. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was, it was, stressful yeah, it was game. a very stressful game. Um, but it was very fun. Mm. And I like that beer a lot. And I recommend, uh, if you see it, it should be coming back. It, it was gone for a couple of years, but now I think it's their spring, summer seasonal again. So you should be able to find it in stores, likely near you, Casey. So broaden your horizons i'll have to keep an eye i i will actually be doing some drinking this weekend so that uh i might have to keep yeah. that in mind yeah i haven't seen i got it once again at another vermont brewery i got it when i was sitting my sister and then find out that it was coming back as their seasonal so i'd imagine it would be in new york i picked up uh i had i had picked up a fancy one um earlier in the week it, it was and a you already drank it <laughs> yeah it was a <laughs> <laughs> Didn't, didn't make it. <laughs> it was I, it was too tempting. It was uh, a Gainsburg White Stout. Um, so it was. Uh, it, it tastes like a stout, but it looked like an IPA. Uh, but it, that's weird. It was amazing. It was it was really good. It had um, kind of a hint of chocolate to it. So it was cool. really good. Uh, so tonight uh, I, I'm still in the stout though. It's just a little bit simpler because it's just just a good old fashioned Guinness. That's I actually that Nothing that was my that. other option. Um, so I'm glad we didn't duplicate our uh, our beers. I'm glad <laughs> I went for the dogfish head. Yep. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it's it's good to have just something simple. Sometimes, so I yeah, figure a fallback beer. <laughs> it's a it's a short it's a short episode, so you know, go with a simple beer. That's that was my my take. Cool. So uh, I guess we'll get into it. Um, so. Uh, it's a little bit different format for the Thirsty Mage this week. Usually we just analyze the crap out of one game and uh, get get into as deep as we can. But uh, on uh, our inaugural uh, podcast with a theme song, we're actually going the exact opposite. We're going to pound out 
as many <laughs> RPGs we've played between the three of us. Uh, we're not even talking about all of them, but but between the three of us, we played a shit ton of RPGs the last few weeks. I mean, I think I've put up. I think I've had three reviews of RPGs go up in like a three week span. Well, well, you're on some sort of otherworldly tear right now <laughs> of reviewing games, so it's like it, it's not even. It's I don't know how you're um, doing. It. It's a, I stopped sleeping um, in preparation for my child. <laughs> I think that's that's what happened. Um, I I I, yeah, I have no explanation whoop. other than like I'm seeing all these games coming in. And I'm like, this needs to get done. Um, and and I've been focused. I will tell you this much: um, the games I have reviewed, uh, that's what I've been playing. I have not played a damn thing outside <laughs> of that. I played like a couple games <laughs> of Super Mega Baseball. That was it. Everything else has been a review. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, yeah and then there's uh, there's Casey and I have been playing a, a few games that we're not we can't even talk about yet. So uh... ooh, yeah. Oh, and I want to so bad. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, well, I'll just leave it yeah, at that. We don't want the embargo gods to rain down lightning no. on us. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm so excited that you guys are playing the third Chrono Trigger game. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That was an well, E3 okay. announcement. E3 leak. <laughs> but we can confirm that because... Yeah, we can confirm that Chrono Trigger 3 is a thing. Yeah, and it's um, on the DS. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also a GBA version oh. that might be better. Yeah. So it, it was made. It was made for the GBA. It's just been in development for so long because it's that good. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I guess I'll I'll start her off with uh, with we'll start with a bit with a quick fire to begin with. Just to shoot out a bunch, and then each of us has uh, kind of two main games that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, so I guess I'll I'll start off with uh, my quick fire round. Um, so. Uh, I have a PS Vita now because of our Chrono Trigger episode from a few weeks ago. So uh, I thought I'd stock up on a few games. Um, so the first one I got, and I, I never remember the actual name of this game, but it's the first two, it's the first two Final Fantasies on one disc. I think it's Final Fantasy Beginnings or Anthology. Yeah, it's not or uh, Anthology. Origins or, Origins? or that's yeah, the it's Final Fantasy Origins. Okay, it has right. Yeah, there it's so it's and essentially, it's one and uh, two together. Yeah, so you. So when it loads up, you choose either one or two, and then they're they're remakes of the game, like they're not the original. And um, you do what's right, and you only play one because two is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that why well, I'm playing one. Um, I, I I get the there's a lot of quality of life changes, which I'm sure people who haven't played it would enjoy and. Uh, is probably better for them. Uh, if I had to recommend you play one, if you haven't played one before, I guess it would be this one, because it's easier. Um, there's, you know, when you when you attack the same enemy, if the enemy dies, then you move on to a different enemy, as opposed to in the original NES game when you would just attack the air. Yeah, as, as someone who played a couple hours of the original Final Fantasy on the NES Classic. Um, I cannot in good conscience recommend any human in 2018 play that game for the first time. Um, seek out Final Fantasy Origins if you want to <laughs> play the first Final Fantasy game. I still, like, for its for the time, Final Fantasy on NES is super awesome. And I know you have a ton of nostalgia for it. Yeah. Um, so, like, by all means, replay that game until the cows come home. Uh, but as someone that, like, 
I kind of I I never beat the original NES. I did put a lot of time into it. Um, I did beat it. I think Final Fantasy Origins came out on Game Boy Advance or DS. I, I think, think it was so. Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Because um, I, I played through one on in some portable format probably 15 years ago. And and enjoyed it a lot more there and actually finished it. And I, if memory serves, and granted this is pretty flimsy memory, that remake's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. I mean, and it, it changes up a lot. Like, there's you, you actually know the statistics of the equipment now and you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to guess if the aegis armor is better than the opal armor uh well where's the fun in that oh well, i know eh? like if <laughs> where's the discovery you know uh is the vorpal blade better than the coral blade like those are things you should learn uh you know trial and error but no they're just telling us now but I don't, which is fine i don't know if trial and error is really like I, I've been noticing this thing is like playing some older games that, for example, like might not have an instruction manual. And like there's stuff in games of the NES and Super Nintendo era where like you need the instruction manual for the game to make sense. Because there's that given that like you read the instruction manual before you play the game. And now we don't have that. So tutorials have to be built into the game. But you didn't have that back in the, the 80s and 90s. And I, I mean, I can't speak specifically to Final Fantasy 1, but I feel like there might be, if you were to go back and read the instruction manual for that game, or maybe you were a kid who subscribed to Nintendo Power, then you would probably be able to get the answers to a lot of these questions back then, as opposed to now, where mm-hmm. I guess you can just go online, but it's not really built into the game as much. No. Well, wasn't it in Star Tropics 2 for the NES needed uh you you literally needed yeah, well, well, manual. Well, and also I don't, I don't know if you meant also Star Tropics or Star Tropics 2, but it was the first Star Tropics was the one where you had. So I, yeah, I meant also <laughs> I got Star very Tropics. confused and I was like, "Oh wait, I think that's what he meant." Wait. Yeah, that was cuz that was uh for Nintendo Air. But one of our million dollar questions was actually related to the Star Tropics thing where uh uh, the instruction manual came with a piece of paper that you had to dip into water to get like the answer of like what uh, what numbers to put in to communicate with someone. Um, and the virtual console version had this really cool feature where you would open up the virtual manual and go in and press this. <laughs> um, and I want to say that because fe- wasn't Star Tropics one was in the NES Classic, right? Yeah, nope. I believe. Yeah, so. so I would imagine that probably would have had something similar. With that virtual representation of it, because like you, you can't really complete the game without that instruction manual, or at least the knowledge of or a nice of, connection to the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah. And the the other game I got on my Vita is uh, and one of Casey's favorite, I believe, uh, Persona Four. Ooh. Persona Four Golden, I guess to be to yes, be sir. Precise. That that game, man. Yeah. Oh, baby. I haven't played as much as I want. Uh, I've made it up to um, the end of the uh, Yuki Yukigo dungeon. I'm I'm literally fighting the the Yuki Yukikyo. Oh man, Yo- <laughs> uh, Shadow. So that that's where I left off. So uh, yeah, yeah. So you still definitely have a long way to go. But oh, uh, yeah, I got I got many hours left in that one. So. I mean, if you ever get through it, I will absolutely be all in for a mage. Um, I don't have a Vita anymore, but I still kept my Persona 4 because I just couldn't get rid of it. So, yeah, I've been... I, I bought Persona 4 Golden on a sale years ago and bounced off it real quickly. Which is weird. I I played Persona 3 back um, late... P- That's a good one, um, too. I played it in, in college. 
I want to say it was probably like 2007, 2008. I got it on PS2 and like played the hell out of that game and really enjoyed it. And every Persona game I have played since I have bounced off of very fast. Um, it just, it, it's, yeah, I, guess it, once I, you... I, I think what it is, is the time sink and like, uh, oh, it's a lot of yeah, time. Eventually, I think I might just have to romp through four and five on like easy mode or something just to just to experience them. But it just you know what else it is the the formats between the games are pretty similar too. Yeah. So it's and like even some of the characters you can sort of see like oh that's this character for yeah. this game you know and like they all have their own personal you know personalities and stuff to make them different. But like you can't help but be like oh that's that role. That's that role. So I mean, not to. I mean, I loved three um, as well. I think four is. Uh, I mean, four to me. I love the characters. Um, it was my first Persona game I played, so that probably also has yeah. a uh, bit to it. I think Persona Five plays better, especially um, um, in like the dungeons and stuff. They're way better designed and way more fun. But uh, I still, I need to get back to that one too. But yeah. Uh, it's just not enough time in the day. Yeah, five, five. I have not played, um, and it's kind of on like the the long term bucket list to go back and check it out. That was just one. It's because like I mean, I don't doubt force quality, but I'm just a lot of it was very visual novelty, and I wasn't in the mood for that when I played it. And I like I kind of I experienced something very similar with Persona Three, and I don't know if that's the type of game that I want to play multiple times. Um. But yeah, that's what. Yeah. Not to not to not to crap on Persona, but it just it's never clicked for me the same way it has for so many others. Cool. Um, the PS4 games and 3DS games that I've been playing were actually are actually in the list for later, so I'll, I'll skip those for now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, a couple of the Switch games I can't talk about yet, but the two Switch games I can talk about. Um, the first is uh, I, I guess it def- depends on whether you consider this an RPG or not, but uh, Hyrule Warriors. Um, it's got elements. It's yeah, RPG I mean, like, mechanics. It, I think yeah. I think we could make a someone could make For a passionate argument, argument. I say yes. It's like how Super Mario Ar- Brothers is a roguelike. Yeah, or, right. Well, <laughs> combined with the puzzle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the uh, the other one is uh, Knights of Pen and Paper, uh, which is, it's a pretty cool game. It's it's basic. It's uh, essentially an RPG where it's mimicking a game of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so you, you're at a table and there's a dungeon master and then you control, uh, up to five characters that are sitting at the table. And essentially the story is played as a dungeon and dragons game, but the story that the dungeon master is explaining is actually happening around the table. Like the table is kind of being transported to the, the fantasy world where they're playing and uh so it's it's pretty neat there's um so uh, as you're defeating enemies you're collecting gold and doing quests and stuff and it's it's kind of fun that the gold can actually be used in the real world or in the fantasy world so you can either buy upgraded equipment for your characters with the money or you can actually buy things like in the real world that give your team buffs uh so if you bought like a coke machine for the room uh that that gives you like i don't know like 10 
all your characters get an extra 10 HP. Um, you can buy like uh, protein bars uh, that give temporary buffs. Uh, it's pretty neat. So it's uh, uh, it's kind of like pixel pixel. It's I mean it started off as a mobile game a few years ago. So it's it's uh, so this is a port to the Switch. I think there's people that will enjoy it. Um, I wouldn't call it a, a probably a, it won't be universally adored, but it looked yeah. it looked <laughs> for a certain audience. It looked neat. It's a niche. I w- that's what I would call it. I think is a. I think the people that enjoy like people who will play it who want to play it will probably enjoy it a lot, and then the rest of us just kind of won't get it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So but. Uh, for both of those Switch games, uh, I actually did reviews for them too, so they're up on the site now. If uh, if you wanted to, some more in depth uh, review of the games, if if uh, those sound interesting to anyone, you can check it out on NintendoWorldReport.com. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Um, I actually have uh, a quick little ba- uh, bite here of a game, and uh, that is actually Pokemon Quest. Oh, God. Now, I imagine everyone here has played a little bit, at least. Um, played? Yeah, for me, I... You haven't played it yet? No, 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 I'm just saying, like, what, what is the play in this game? It's a, it's a, oh, lot, well, of, it's I... a lot of watching. <laughs> hey, man, you need to be quick on the, that button press for your abilities. I don't even know but, if uh... that really makes a difference. <laughs> I'll be honest. Oh, it totally does. It totally does. I'll actually I'll give you a good example of how I played this game, but uh, let me explain what it is first. Uh, yeah, so Pokemon Quest, um, I guess it's sort of similar to other Pokemon side games they've released. Um, what was that one for 3DS? Pokemon Rumble Blast, or I mean, there's yes, just a lot yes, of Pokemon it. Rumble games, but there was one that was free. To yeah, play. the Rumble games, I guess. I put a lot of time into the Pokemon free to play games on 3DS. Um, might not do that with Quest, but go on. Yeah, so you get in there, uh, they give you the tutorial, but essentially what you do is you go into these little areas and the Pokemon just run around for you, and they just sort of run in towards the enemies and then they attack, they auto-attack. Um, now, where you come into play, each actual Pokemon has an ability, or possibly two, like, uh, you know, the starter, my Pikachu, has two abilities. Uh, one's like a shock blast forward, and then one's sort of like a little... Um, area of f- damage around him. Yeah, my my Bulbasaur has tackle and then uh, I think it's like pedal dance or something, which yeah. is like I mean tackles tackles self-explanatory. Pedal dance is like a ranged grass attack. Does it go around like a circle in your? Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty similar. I think it's shock wave or something. Um, but yeah, so essentially you go through and they have little waves of enemies and you take them out. Um, your abilities are on cooldown. And when you're back out of that, uh, essentially you're collecting materials and um, you level up by, you know, clearing waves and levels. Um, But you get materials which you can use to cook um, and then that will attract Pokemon to your little area there. And you can customize the area like uh, I unlocked like a statue that you could put down and I guess there are more things you can uh, sort of um, unlock there. But uh, what's cool is you pick up stones as well, which then you can go into your Pokemon's uh, little menu there. And as you level up, you unlock new slots where you could put, like, um, these stones, which can increase your health or your attack. Or they're they're more rare, at least for me at this point, the yellow stones, which you can actually attach to uh, a move, um, an ability, and it'll make that ability stronger. 
Now, as Neil said, it's a lot of just sort of watching, um, but there is some gameplay. Like I said, you do, uh, you know, sort of need to know when to use your abilities, and you can spam them most of the time. But, for instance, I had it where uh, the only character I had alive had uh, Roar, so it scares the enemy away. And I was pretty low on health, and when your Pokemon die, they sort of, they're out of the game for however long. It's not long. Um, maybe they, 30 they do, seconds. Yeah, they do. They come back. I don't know what the... The, like the refresh time is yeah i don't know if it's a cooldown on particular ones or whatnot but essentially they do come back if you could survive so i was real low and i was like trying uh, there's a little button to run away as well so i was like spamming the runaway button and then when he'd get close you know i'd, I'd roar at him to scare him away and and then it, then i had the reinforcements and i was able to uh successfully beat that little mission but yeah overall i don't know how much i'm gonna play um I do see how this game would work better on mobile just because it's always there. Super easy to just pop it up and, and get into it, you know? Um, but the game is super stylized. Um, the Everything is sort of like little cubes, sort of like uh, Minecraft-y, but, but smaller and not as big uh, blocks. But just even the menus and everything is very stylized and I think uh, looks really nice. But yeah, it's a... A free-to-play game, you know, you get in there, you, there, there's like $30, you could buy all of the quest packs or whatever they call them, so, yeah, cool little game, I guess, but uh, I don't know how much I'll actually play moving forward. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I had a little fun with it, it just, it, I mean, it, it is what it is, and it's pretty simple, Um, but yeah. So, I have, my little quick hit before we start is uh, West of Loathing. Which is a game that I just, um, as we're recording this, my review went up this morning. Um, it's a really goofy, funny, dopey stick figure RPG. Um, and like the the art style kind of looks like it's like cheap and dumb, but it's actually kind of beautiful in a way. Like they do a really good job of lighting and uh, just kind of making that world pop, despite it being like so, so simple and, and just a bunch of lines. Um but what makes this game so cool is that it's kind of structured like it's a big, huge, epic open world RPG, but like everything's side scrolling and it's just like funny. Like I uh, spent some, like there's a main quest of your character that you can create and then you pick through three different classes. Um, there's a, a cow puncher, which is like your, your warrior kind of. Um, then there's the bean slinger, which is a magician. And then, wait, I need to I need to look up the names. I, I don't want to mess up the names, damn it. Um, man, we, we posted a lot of reviews today. Um, sna- oh, Snake Oiler. Um, Snake Oiler is, uh, like, they make potions and stuff. And then the Bean Slinger uses beans to, to you know, use magic. Um, and your, your created character then goes west to try to make their fortune. Um, and along the way, you have to, you have to get a horse to be able to move. Um, you can get a partner if you want. It's very much recommended. Um, and then you're on your way exploring these different places on a map and trying to go west. And there is a there is a main quest, but it's much like your Elder Scrolls games where the main quest is probably the the worst part of the game. Because it's more fun to just dick around and explore everywhere. And like, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of like some examples that don't give away too much. Just like, just really goofy, weird, esoteric stuff happens constantly in this game. And like, you can have it where it just kind of auto levels you up, which I actually preferred. 
because it's the kind of game where if you look at it with too if you look at it too seriously it kind of falls apart um like the battle system is just a simple turn-based combat system that just isn't really that deep uh you can kind of get through it quickly but it's still probably a low point of the game and it kind of emphasizes the fact that the best way to play this game is to just experience it and and have fun and do dumb things um whether you're you know trying to like talk a goblin into helping you out or going to an abandoned pickle factory and trying to solve a puzzle to get all the bandits there uh, or, or whatever. This is just a, like, it's such a dumb game <laughs> and I'm so glad it exists and I'm glad it's on switch. So that's uh that's West of loathing. You can go check out my review for, for more details. And I, I mean, it's just, it, I keep on dancing around it because just that like part of what I enjoyed about it was, uh, being surprised by the stupid things that happened. So, I don't want to go into detail. Yeah, it, like you said, it's tough to, especially doing a review, <laughs> when the charm yeah. is from the surprises, you know, but... Yeah. Because it was, it was in the Nindies video. Um, and when I when I'd, when I'd seen it there, I was just like, this looks really funny. Like, I would like to play this. Well, yeah, that's you, all I gotta say about that. You had me at stupid walking mode. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> stupid walking mode is something that I found very early in the game. Um, and it just it's it's so dumb where your character just walks stupidly, but in a random way. I'm picturing like Octo Dad. Y- yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good. It's a pretty good comp. Um. But yeah, that's all I have to say about West of Loathing. You can check it out. It's like 11 bucks. I think there's a physical version coming out at some point. Which will probably be more than 11 bucks. Yeah, it'll probably <laughs> be like 30 Cool. All right. Well, we'll move on to um, the meat, the meat of the podcast. The, the, uh, the six games that, uh, well, I guess five of them we would recommend. Uh, you'll, you'll understand later. <laughs> but five out of the six are uh, are new and uh, recommended, so we're uh, just gonna go through them and uh, talk about why they're why they're why they're fun, and uh, give you a little little breakdown of uh, what they're about. So uh, I'll start us off. Um, so this is I guess it was about a month ago or so. Uh, I did the review for uh, Regalia um, of Men and Monarchs. Um, so this is a, a strategy RPG. Uh, it, it's, uh, another game with a, a goofy sense of humor. Um, the, the main story of the game is that, uh, there was this city state, uh, way back in the day that, uh, existed and, and kind of ruled the lands and, um, it, it just kind of through wars and, uh, poor leadership, the, it became an abandoned city. And uh, one day, uh, a family, um, there's a, a brother and two sisters, their their dad was uh, passing away, and as he was passing away, he had told them that the, they were the descendants of the rulers of that city-state way back in the day. So they had decided to make a pilgrimage out to there to see if, if there was anything. Essentially, they were, they were looking for money. <laughs> they were hoping. <laughs> they were hoping that, you know, it would be a nice place to live. Uh, and then they, they get there, and uh it's it's a dump uh everything's kind of falling apart um but they can't leave because apparently the descendants of their family were hugely in debt 
and the debt collectors have not forgotten. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the game starts off with the debt collector showing up saying, uh, you owe us money. You have nothing left to go to. We've already taken the home you've left. This is it. You better start making money or these two massive trolls that are with me here are going to break your legs. Um, so essentially the game is, is you rebuilding that empire. Um, so there's so the city state exists on a map, and then there's areas uh, around the city state, and essentially you're just uh, doing tasks, doing going on quests to help build. Um, there's a neat little time component to it that's kind of persona-like in in that uh, there's so many tasks that have to be done in a certain amount of time. Uh, because the game is is tracked by days, like everything you do. Uh, cost you a day like if you go uh, out to a one of the areas outside of the village or outside of the city to to do some kind of quest then like that takes a certain amount of days is it all days or do they split it up into like oh that was a morning or no no it's it's all it's just days it's all days um uh but there's a lot of persona elements there because you've got that time management component but then there's also relationship a relationship component so uh the characters that you can play as uh you can build up your relationship with them by uh a, a lot of them have like quests or, or things that they're working towards that you can help them get there um like one of the first things is um you you come across uh it, it it's kind of like a jungle woman she's she's kind of like a uh looking to 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 kill this beast uh that no one knows if it actually exists or not uh so you build your relationship with her by like going on hunts with her um looking looking for the this beast and uh, all the characters are pretty i mean a lot of them are kind of tropey but they're uh, they're all most of them are all interesting though like uh like there's a vampire uh, who's who's kind of like a librarian nerd uh, so nobody's afraid of him and it's he's like trying to figure out how to become like an evil an evil lord vampire um so just it's and it's it's just got a good sense of humor uh and then the the battle system is uh it's kind of like a grid based where you set your your people on the map and then in like a turn based like you would move them around the map in this little grid system um they have different uh attacks that uh like some of them have longer longer attacks other guys have to be like right up close uh so there's a lot of strategy to it uh to the actual battle um so it's uh, kind of fire emblemish i guess would be the way to put it um but uh, yeah, I had I had a lot of fun. It was uh, it had a lot of elements of games I like, uh, and the chemistry of everything coming together just worked well. So it was uh, it was a fun playthrough. Awesome. So uh, I've been playing. Well, I guess I guess at this point I played Battle Chasers Night War. Uh, my review is also up on the site. Uh, Battle Chasers Night War is by Airship Syndicate, which is the remnants of. Um, oh god, Vigil Games. They are the studio that made the Darksiders 1 and 2. Um, that pair of games that I think you can get on Wii U right now. Um, and there's 
Yep, yeah, uh, Darksiders 2 is one of, like, the... I don't think it was... Or Darksiders 1 uh, was one of the... Darksiders 2 was, like, a launch game. Yeah. Oh, the remastered. Darksiders yeah, War, War Master. War Master so, the Darksiders games, if you're not aware, they were put out by THQ, and then THQ um, died, and then uh, I think there's actually there's a Darksiders 3 announced. I don't think there's any word on a Switch version. Um... But Darksiders is basically if a Western developer made a 3D Zelda game. And I never played the second one, but when I played the first one, like, it was okay. Um, the, the the dungeons were cool. It had some really, like, kind of neat, neat, like, dungeon items that you could find. But there was a lot of emphasis on combat, which I didn't really enjoy as much. Um, because part of the reason why I like Zelda is more the puzzle solving as opposed to the combat. And it was, like... Darksiders 1, if memory serves correctly, was kind of like God of War combat with Zelda puzzles and dungeons. Um, it was cool, though. And I like the style. Um, the, it's Joe Joe Matarera, uh, who, if you're familiar with comics, um, well, he did Battle Chasers back in the late 90s. He also did a lot of, I think he did like Spider-Man and Deadpool art in the 90s. Uh, he, I mean, he came from comic books and then went into video games. Um... So Battle Chasers Night War, knowing that uh, Joe Matarera and the other people at Airship Syndicate that were originally Vigil Games, their past game was Zelda through a 3D Zelda through a Western lens. Battle Chasers Night War is basically Super Nintendo JRPGs through a Western lens. And holy lord, I did not think this game was going to be as good as it was. Uh, it's just so smart in its design. Um... The overworld is all point-to-point stuff, but you can still get into battles that way. Uh, the battles are all turn-based, very kind of traditional combat. But one cool element about it is that um, I'm blanking on the specific term because it's been a while since I played the game. Um, uh, burst was that? Da- David, help oh, me out. I think it was uh, something like, like overdrive. Um, <laughs> sorry, there's so many games in my mind right now. Um, <laughs> okay you keep talking, so there's basically a way that your, like as you attack view. you build up a meter that then you can use to you basically overcharge your your mana and then you can use magic attacks so like a, t- a basic strategy in battle chasers night war is you got three three people in your party everybody just attacks the enemies one round and then they will build up overcharge to then use their magic without spending any actual mana so that kind of just makes it so there's a there's a reason to do your regular attacks and it helps build it up so you can do your magic attacks at basically no cost. And I like the strategy of kind of figuring out how to do battles that way. It was enough of a twist that made something kind of standard as turn-based battling feel way more engaging. And some of the boss fights get super hard and I had a lot of close calls and like I liked bouncing around between the characters, although I will say that I wish that you could I wish that when you had um, the only people that get experience are the characters that are in your party Uh, the other characters don't get experience which kind of sucks because each character is really different and distinct and they have different like strategies that you can use by using them in your party like you kind of have there are two characters that you could kind of use as healers but one of them's more of a mage user and the other one's kind of a bruiser um so, like, that was, you know, you could you could go with one or you could go with the other. But when the other one doesn't get experience when you use it, you kind of gravitate towards a party of three and rock that. Um, so that's a little disappointing. But then the turn-based combat 
Uh, it is, it's still really good. And then the dungeons are procedurally generated, which they kind of encourage you to replay them, which would be a good way to level up the rest of your party. But uh, they're not different enough. And when you go back to an easy dungeon, it's really, really easy. Um, but the dungeons are really fun to explore. Maybe not so much in handheld mode. Um, and then this. Yeah, yeah it's a little dark. I, I, it's like it's an hard, isometric uh, Diablo um, dungeon experience. Um, trying to think of what else. Mm, yeah, I like the sound um, of that. The art, <laughs> I the like art the sound is of all gorgeous. Of <laughs> um, it, it is coming from Joe Matarera, um, which I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. We can just call him Joe Mad. That that seems to work. Um, yeah, uh, I don't big know if Joe? he's that big. I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, and the story is pretty good. Uh, I. I I saw some people knocking the game that the characters don't really have arcs, which I can't really defend. I just really like that world. Like, it's kind of like this, it's like steampunk, but there's, like, more of an emphasis on magic. Uh, and there's, like, a lot of zombie crap going on. And, like, I just, wandering around that world's great. It has an awesome soundtrack. Um, I don't think it's Austin Winnery. I think that's the Banner Saga, which I'll talk about later. But there is, um... Like that, the music is really good. I f- there's a lot of fine details I really enjoy too. Like uh, at the end of a battle, I love like the, the, with the golem character. Uh, yeah, the battles yeah, the over and, like because your healer land he's on the him. Best. <laughs> um, and like you have you <laughs> have the, awesome. the, the the kind of the main the main character is a little girl that has these gauntlets that make her like the strongest person in the party. Um, I really liked using um the the sword wielder. Uh, cause he had stuff where like you could build up his over, his overdrive. Is it overdrive? Yeah. Overcharge. 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 He, you yeah. could build up his overcharge really high cause everybody kind of has a limit to how much you can overcharge him. Uh, but you could build up his overcharge very high and then he'd have an attack that would, that then you could kind of amp up. Um, cause the skill points in this game, um, you can kind of reassign them as you want, which makes it fun because you can kind of toy around with different builds. Um, but he had something where, like, there's a certain move that you use where if you have a lot of overdrive, overcharge built up, you can just, like, unleash hell. Um, and he was he was my guy that I would use to just do tons and tons of damage. Um, I, I found the difficulty of the game uh, kind of perfect, too. It was You're, you're right on that line of uh, some of the battles, like, you're, you're on your last HP, but you still can get through. And... So it's kind of like living on the edge for going through yeah. the, the I, dungeon. That always feels good, though. Yeah, I, and I, I think that they nail the difficulty early on. Uh, I think in the back half it's a little too hard, but I think that's, like, uh, there's a there's a good, uh, there's a series called, like, Game Umentary or something that has, uh, they have, like, a part one on Battle Chasers Night War, which is really good, and I'm, I'm looking forward to part two. Uh, but judging from like reading stuff about like the kind of the pitch for this game and their development kind of philosophy behind it, I get the sense that they kind of wanted to force slash encourage you to go on side quests, which is something that I don't really like as much in games. Like if I want a critical path, it yeah okay, it might be harder because like if you go and grind, it's going to make it a little easier. Uh, but you should be able to critical path a game. At like a at a consistent difficulty level without it getting too hard, I feel like the back half of Night War is kind of designed in a way 
that you have to do side quests. You have to repeat some of the dungeons or else you're going to get stomped, um, which, which happened to be a lot in the later parts of that game. Um, but then I did go do the side quests and, and I replayed some of the dungeons and I got stronger and then, then I could win. But it, it was a little frustrating to kind of just hit those choke points and just be like, okay, I guess I got to wander around the world and see what's up. Like, I, I almost wish, like, I think it's something like West of Loathing where uh, that that does a similar thing where, so as you're going west, it's basically like the 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 map is kind of divided into segments that are then like the next part is gated by completing a main quest mission in that. But it's not that like you go and try to do the main quest and then like someone kills you. It's more like, oh, I need to like get this item or get this much money. So I guess I'll just go do this. Uh, whereas in Battle Chasers Night War, like I'm going, I'm going to fight the bad guys. Oh, he kicked the crap out of me. I guess I have to turn around. Um, well, at least it's not like Alliance Alive where they lock you into a an area. And then you have to backtrack. Yeah, no, you, you can go everywhere. There's a really good fast travel system. Like, it's super easy to get around that map. Um, and it looks so nice. Like, when I was working on, like, editing the video review and, and, and doing stuff with that, uh, I would just have the game on in the background with the music playing because it was so pretty. Yeah, well, that's the thing is the music. Uh, the music is incredible. And, and the graphic, like, the, the visuals are uh, spectacular. Yeah. And... It does have some technical issues. Um, load times are a little rough, but but like it's worth it. It's so worth it. Yeah, oh, I agree. I, I'm I'm a few dungeons in. I don't think I've hit that point of uh, where the difficulty ramps up yet. But how many uh, how many characters do you have access to right now? Uh, I think it's just the four. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um. You're probably you're probably an hour or two away from the 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 first moment where I was like, "What the hell?" Um, okay, but it's still real good, and you yeah. get some uh, the next couple characters that you get are really neat too. Yeah, well, yeah, I I definitely recommend this one too. Yeah, it's a, it's a good game. Awesome. I guess that brings me up to my first game here, and that is Nino Kuni Two: The Revenant Kingdom. And uh, this was the sequel, a highly anticipated sequel to um, the first one, which was called uh, Wrath of the White Witch. And that game, um, I, I've never played that game, but it it was critically acclaimed. People fell in love with the game. Uh, I know a big draw of it was that they were working with Studio Ghibli. Um, so as you can imagine, it is it was visually stunning. Um, the second one here... They did not work with Studio Ghibli, actually, um, but I still think one of the stronger suits of this game is still its visual appeal. Um, I think the environments are just really stunning. When I was playing it, uh, there were a lot of times where I'd just stop and really sort of look around and admire um, the different areas and stuff. As far as the character designs, I think I, I like them, but I liked the just the people you'd run into in the different cities and, and towns. Um, because uh, I guess to, to start us off here, as far as the story goes, um, you are playing at... Well, I guess the game starts off with a cutscene, and you're sort of uh, an older man named Roland, and you witness like a big missile is coming down and explodes. Um, but in the aftermath, somehow he just disappears and like into a portal and then ends up in Ding Dong Dell, 
with Evan in this room, and Evan is our protagonist here, and he his what's his full name? I had it written down. It's funny. It's because he is like a I guess sort of like a cat person. Uh, Evan Pettywhisker Tildrum. Uh, and <laughs> you sort of fall into this kingdom that's in, in trouble here because the king has been uh, poisoned and killed, and you find out that it was actually one of his, uh, I, I guess one of... His, advisor, I think. He, yeah, one of the advisors, like and, and he's actually a mouse, and uh, so it's funny that the, the mice are taking over the kingdom. So Evan is sort of forced out, and uh, he's got Roland here, um, Evan was just as confused as why Roland showed up as he was, you know, they're both sort of like, what the heck's going on? But they end up working together and essentially the game is, you, you know, you set out and it's like, Evan, what do you like? What do your kingdom, you know, you need to build a new kingdom and sort of take it a direction. And, you know, he was just, he's just a very hopeful, happy person. And like, he just wants a kingdom where people can live and not, you know, have to worry about any of that BS. So you know, that's sort of his philosophy. So you go out and you start, you know, meeting some other people. And what's cool is, you know, obviously there is, you know, the driving story, um, but there are plenty of side quests about. But what's cool about the side quests is when you complete them, you actually end up recruiting that person um, back to your kingdom, which then you can use in the um, kingdom management slash building part of the game um which i i guess uh i'll just get into that because we're talking about it, then i'll shift back to how the combat is but essentially you build up this kingdom and you know that sounds really cool but it's sort of uh like it's more like oh okay you have enough of this to unlock this thing in this area so it's not like you're customizing your kingdom it's a pre predetermined kingdom. yeah so it's sort of just like oh look this plot right here that looks like it'd be perfect for our farm, you know, and then it, you know, it turns into a farm. But what's cool is, you know, you can upgrade those buildings and that requires manpower. And some of the the people that you bring into your kingdom, some of them are, oh, this person, he's physically strong or she's physically strong. She's going to make a great farmer, you know, and then there's, you know, oh, that's more of a scholar. So, you know, in the things that, you know more intelligence to use like that she might be better on that one you know so it's cool how they sort of mix and match that but as far as it sort of was touted as like oh kingdom building like oh i'm gonna personalize my own kingdom and that was for me it was like oh okay like i guess like i'll do this when i'm back in town but it, it was not something i was like excited for um but as far as the actual um, combat goes out in the field, it is an action RPG, which is, I believe, um, a shift from the first one. I believe the first game was turn-based. So, you know, they sort of jump ships here. Um, now, as far as the battles go, you sort of walk into it, and it's sort of like that uh, Xenoblade where you sort of have, like, the ringed-off area to sort of battle the enemies in. But... I don't know the it never and now I should say that I did not beat this game um and it and I actually ended up selling it so uh <laughs> very uh, very uh, very high the, recommendation the caveat on this game is is uh, uh we both at around 20% into the game uh bounced pretty hard yeah um so as far as the combat goes it is an action RPG and you get in there and once you're in the battle you can switch freely between the characters which is always nice um so you know you have a few different characters with different play styles. But I don't know, the the combat, and again, like you said, we didn't get 
you know, incredibly far, so it, who knows, maybe it ramped up nicely. But, you know, even however far we got in, it was still probably 10-plus hours of gameplay, you know? So, it, in that time, it never really got challenging. You know, I would go into battles, and you just polish them off pretty easily. And, you know, you have, like, your melee attacks, and you have some uh, spell abilities. But what is cool is they have um, the Higgledies, I believe. Is that how you would pronounce them, David? Yeah, I think so. These Higgledies, which are essentially, they're like little Pikmin. Um, and you actually, and they're, <laughs> and they sort of have like the Karak seed height. Like you just find them randomly around the world. And what is, uh, what's cool is they, different elements, but when you're in the battle, you'll see like a, the, the Higgledies around the battlefield. And then they sort of like get together. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can go over to them, hit a button, and then they're going to do something for me. And, like, it's funny, like, all of a sudden you just see these tiny little Pikmin-like creatures, like, all of a sudden erect, like, this huge cannon and fire a big old cannonball at the enemy. So it, it is pretty funny in that sense. But, I don't know, the, the the combat never really grabbed me. And, you know, it's funny because I guess how, um, you know, Xenoblade has, like, action-y elements into it, you know? Where, you know, obviously you're moving around and positioning. This is may, way more free movement and hitting attacks and stuff. But it just, I don't know, it, it never really grabbed me. And uh, I think it's a big letdown because I really, I was enjoying um, the world. It was really fun to explore. And like I said, it, it, was, it really is gorgeous. I love the art style. Um, it had enjoyable music. And like I said, the... Gold Paw, I believe, is one of the first, like, towns you get into. And, like, I just absolutely love, like, running around that place. And there was a few fast travel um, spots because essentially it was like a... It almost felt like one real big, long strip and you could bounce off a little to the sides in the city. But I would run through almost every time just because of the music and just seeing all the characters. And, uh, you know, it just really is a letdown because... It was pretty funny, too. It had, um... I don't want to spoil anything. Lofty. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much you get... So every king needs a king maker. And, you know, it's sort of touted as this, um... Like, oh, you're going to get the big dragon, and it's going to be your king maker. It's going to protect the kingdom while you build it up. And, uh... Again, I don't think this is spoilers, because I'm pretty sure he's on the cover, so, you know... Yeah. And um but if it is you might want to cover yours. But anyway, you end up going and getting your kingmaker and he's he's just like a little turd. Like he's a little tiny <laughs> He looks he looks like a Starbucks latte. Yeah, he <laughs> And his name's Lofty. And Lofty. and it's so funny cuz you're like, "Wait, that's the kingmaker?" Like yeah. Oh, okay. Well, and then the characters are the characters feel that way too cuz they're like, "This is it." And the guy's like, "Screw you, bro." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and that's where a lot of the 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 comedic writing comes through. I feel like Lofty is just a really funny character, um, and like I could think of one where he's like flicking boogers at things, and and it's just like yeah. it's really over the top uh, on that sense. But yeah, overall, I mean, it, I don't want to say it was like a bad game. It just it just didn't grab me um, as, as I'd hoped, and I think partly I do want to say part of it was that I was playing this game around packs. And then all of a sudden you go to PAX and you're, you don't play it for a week and then you come back and there's another game and it just sort of fell to the wayside. But, you know, like you said, if it was that 
captivating of a game, I would have gotten back to it. Uh, but ultimately, that was not the case. Yeah. Well, my my copy turned into Game of the Year edition of Fallout Four. So <laughs> <laughs> mine was a, a cool thirty dollars. Hey, who knows? Maybe maybe Fallout Four will be relevant to a Nintendo podcast soon. Ooh, I hope so. Yeah. Uh so uh, and I'll I guess I'll go into my my last one, which is um, uh, I guess technically not a new game, but new to me and uh, new because of updates and such. But I uh, a few a couple weeks ago I picked up uh, I was I was in the electronics boutique. And What's that? Uh, is that a, is that like a EB Games? It's like a GameStop. A yeah, EB Games. It's it's basically just a GameStop. Is is that like Amazon, but like you walk to it? You never heard of EB uh, Games, Neil? I, I, That's where I bought all like some of store. my I thought, I thought it was what, was it a, it's, it's a Stan Babbage's? Is that a Is that the guy who owns the EB Games or is it a Bob Funko Land? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. There's a definitely a lot of Funko in the EB games now because it's like a, it's basically uh, like <laughs> God. Uh, my childhood yep. sucks now. <laughs> yep. I just realized how Funko like I can't make a Funko Land joke without without Funko Pops getting in the way. <laughs> is EB Games essentially like GameStop, where it's now a hot topic? It, it, it's. It, um yeah yeah it's like it's so it's like half the store is video games and the other half is like just paraphernalia as far as i know i think eb games is just the canadian name for GameStop. well yeah i mean i like i said i remember we had an eb games in my mall and that like i said i've got some of my favorite games of all times from that uh that eb games yeah because yeah. i think i think gamestop bought eb games 10 plus years ago because that was, I mean, it was the, the, the monopoly of the video game stores. Because um, you had Babbage's, you had Software, etc. You had Funko Land, you had EB Games, you had GameStop. And then they slowly all just became the same company. Yeah, because we, we only have EB Games here now. Like, the GameStops and everything else just turned into EB Games. Uh, but I was in one a few weeks ago, and I was just killing time. Like, I don't know what something else was going on i'm like yeah you guys go do that i'll go hang out in eb games for a bit and uh after i left uh one of the reps there like handed me um uh, a newspaper flyer they're like oh here's our here's our uh, deals i'm like oh yeah thanks (laughs) as i'm walking away (laughs) but but as i'm as i'm crickling it up while i'm walking away i noticed that no man's sky was on for ten dollars and it was a it was a game that I wanted to actually get like previously. Little did that guy know so how I, much he was going to change your life. I know. I so I well, what's funny is is so I head back, and uh, and the guy is like, oh well, yeah, it's it's on for ten dollars, but then uh, you can also if you get it if you get this, we actually it's two for one as well. So technically, I got No Man's Sky and Elder Scrolls Online for ten dollars uh, between the two of them. Not too bad. I have not opened. I have not opened Elder Scrolls Online yet because I've spent so much time playing No Man's Sky. Um, I, I remember the hype of it two years ago, um, and, and I was interested in it, but I, ne- I actually didn't have a PS4 then. Uh, so this is my first time actually playing it, and uh, yeah, it, it completely uh, encapsulated my life. I was like. I just wanted to come home and and play this game. It was so much fun. 
Um, I don't, I don't even, I can't even tell you why. It's just, it's like a drug. It's basically just exploring planets, uh, finding resources so you can explore more planets. Um, the things it's, but what's funny is, is the things that I'm enjoying about the game are recent additions to the game. Uh, like the two things that I was doing mostly is one was, um, there's an Atlas, uh, update where it's, uh, you're effectively like, there's some backstory about your character as part of like some kind of travelers race or something. Um, and, and you follow these like Atlas st- statues around the galaxy. Uh, so I, I started doing that. Uh, but the thing that's hooked me now is there's a base building component to the game that's been recently up, like added. Uh, and, and so everything was based on that. It's like, oh, okay. Like now you can build a manufacture, like a weapons, weapons hub in your base. So you need to find like this item, this item, this item, and there's this quest to do this and this quest to do that. And I was just doing that all of the time. And it's just uh, the game itself is beautiful um like all the the planets and and the the spaceships and um it's basically like the space exploration game i've always wanted to play (laughs) but i've never seen it done right um so yeah like i would say if if you had bounced off of it before uh, if you could pick it up for five dollars in a a gamestop type (laughs) store it's worth playing now and then it's funny the one thing that everyone was upset about was that everyone was expecting this to be like a multiplayer uh where you can run into other other people like online and stuff Uh, and i know that was the big disappointment then is that you couldn't play multiplayer Uh, but as of july 24th multiplayer will be added yeah it almost seems to me uh like this game just needed to stay in the oven a little bit longer you know I don't know if it was pressure, you know, from Sony sort of getting it out there and a bit it getting that much hype where it's like we need to get this game out, you know, um or or what it is, but yeah, I know they took a lot of heat when that game came out and like I said I've not played it, um but yeah, I've definitely heard that the recent additions have made it a much better experience. So, I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it and I I'm curious to see how many people sort of stuck it through, you know. Like, I wonder if there is, like, a dedicated fan base that was like, you know, we were, we stuck through the thick and the thin, or if these things they're adding now is enough to bring back the players that sort of played a little bit and got out, you know, early on. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. Like, if if it didn't have the, like, the updates that they put in recently, I, I know for, like, for sure that if those weren't there when I got it, I'd be done after, like, an hour. I'm like, okay, well, like, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah, it was very grindy, um, right? I believe early on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, like, you have to, like, all the resources are on planets, so, so it's essentially, like, you go to a planet and you mine for the resource you want, then you move on to the next planet and you mine the resource you want. And and just doing things, like... um. Like, your spaceship needs to be refueled all the time, so you're always looking for plutonium. Um, you're always looking for iron. Like, it's... So it's... If you're not a fan of asset management, you're probably not going to like this game. Because uh, that's, like, the thing that you're pretty much doing 90% of the time is looking for assets. But I don't know. And it's it's funny, too, because I, when I was first... I remember talking to you, Perry, about it. And I'm like, I don't know why I like this game. 
but I love this game. <laughs> I shouldn't like this game. I'm not doing anything. I can't even tell you what I'm doing. All I know is I'm enjoying myself. Maybe that's it. You're doing too much in the rest of your life. You just need you just need to sit down and relax. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it was. It was just the relaxing. Uh, oh, I'm flying a spaceship. Oh, I'm picking up stuff. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> that's part of the reason why I want to sit down with Yonder. Oh, soon. man. I really enjoy that I just want to game. chill with that game. Like I said, that's generally, I mean, not to get too far off the rails here, but like I said, that's a game that generally I would just wouldn't really appeal to me, you know? Like, if you told me the sales pitch of that game, but I don't know what it was. I really enjoyed it once I got in there. Cool. So, uh, uh, good time to go on to, to Neil's uh, second uh, title. All right, so another RPG that I reviewed that I'll actually be revisiting in like a week. Uh, is the Banner Saga, which came out back like uh, 2016 on other platforms. Um, it's it's a tactic tactical RPG, um, so it's a little different from some of the other stuff we've been talking about. Although I guess it's maybe in the same vein as Regalia, but the whole kind of the whole kind of thing to it is that it's narrative driven. So uh, my kind of means of comparison with a lot of these strategy tactical RPGs is Fire Emblem as as a doo doo runs a Nintendo website or owns a Nintendo website and, uh, you know, plays Fire Emblem games. That's kind of my strategy RPG. Uh, I talked to the developers. I saw the game at PAX East because uh, they were showing off Banner Saga 1 and 2 on the Switch then, and the third one's also coming out in July. Um, their influence is a lot more Final Fantasy Tactics and Shining Force, which are, are games that I've also played but has never gotten as into, but that... The, definitely the, the less Fire Emblem, more Shining Force in Final Fantasy Tactics is much more where this game lies. Uh, so the combat is relatively simple. You know, you have characters, they have attacks, they move on a grid. Uh, some of them have special abilities. You can use them. Uh, but where it kind of gets cool is that there's a story going on that you have... You make narrative choices throughout it, and some of those can end up in characters dying. Like, there's a lot of different paths that emerge from this game, and uh, this is billed as a trilogy. So, Banner Saga 1 is already out on Switch. Banner Saga 2 is coming out on June 7th. Banner Saga 3 is coming out uh, the end of July. Uh, the What you do in 1 carries over to 2, and then what you do in 2 carries over to 3. So you can have... Like, there there are choices early on where there are characters that could live or die depending on what you do, and then your experience with the second game, in theory, will be completely different because you have, you know, different characters alive. Um, as far as what the story is, it's this, like, Nordic world um, that I think is tied into some kind of mythology, but I'm not really familiar on it. There's, like, a, a snake that's, like, trying to eat the world, but the world's too dark or something. Uh, you have human characters, and then there are Varl, which are basically like a giant. Um, they're not they're not small, so I, I guess they're they're giants. Um, but they like they look like dwarves. They're just tall. Um, there's probably a better name for what those are. I guess giants is probably the right name, or Varl, which is what they're called in universe. Um, and the story first puts you with two separate groups that are kind of ones coming from the west and ones coming from the east kind of dealing with this world entering disarray with darkness coming over. There's like a white Walker like race that is coming and attacking people and killing them. And you're uh, the game is mostly you're just in a big caravan with a whole bunch of people 
uh, trying to outrun this enemy race and try to find a way to survive. Um, so when you, you have big story moments, but then for the most part, you're just watching your caravan move across the road to the next town and you'll have different like narrative events will pop up and they all kind of have an effect on how your characters received or maybe some kind of bonus that you could get, how many characters survive in addition to named characters that you can use in battle. There are also just like, you have like generic clansmen's and fighters. Um, it's... It's just, it's a really well-written story, and the game is beautiful, and combat is good enough. There's also a difficulty level that you can set to easy, medium, or hard, because the emphasis on this game is the story, so if it's too challenging for you or too easy, bump it up or down. That's the Banner Saga. Boom. Yeah. Cool. I don't know, are either of you guys interested in that game at all? That's one to me, um loosely interested but probably never going to get to it you know what i mean like i I would love to be able to find the time to play one of these um but i i just there's so many other things i don't foresee it happening but you never know i will say that i I wrapped the first one in less than 10 hours all right that that makes it a little more appealing because i definitely thought there would be more like uh you know 20 ish but i i get the vibe and i and i probably it's, I mean, we've all reviewed games. Sometimes you, you just, you just burn through it pretty quickly. Um, I could see, uh, someone taking their time with the Banner Saga and maybe like it taking them closer to 15 hours to play through it. Not Neil. Um, not Neil. I've got 30 yeah. other reviews. <laughs> yeah. Running. No, no, I got, I got shit to do. I also, <laughs> I, I legitimately wanted to see what was going to happen at the end of the game. So that was kind of my, I started cutting out the chuffa and just going for it. But that's it. a good feeling too though. If it, it you want to see the conclusion so bad that you yeah. can't put it down. Yeah. Cuz there's a lot of that I'm... and and I would compare the tone of the story a lot to Game of Thrones. Um which I mean that's probably a lazy comparison but like it's one of the biggest shows on the friggin' planet. So I'm going to make it. Like <laughs> I, I mean there is there's a race that's going after you. They're basically the White Walkers. Like um there's a lot of there's a lot of violence in this world. Um, there's, there's like, I, I want other people on the site to play the game because I want to talk about the choices that you make in the back half of it. Because um, there's, there's some crazy stuff that happens, and I really want to see. I, I, like, I'm, I'm really excited to play the second one because I, I want to see where the character, the party that I have, I want to see where they go. And then after I finish the second one, I want to look up to be like, okay. So if I did things differently in the first game, how would that affect the second one? Because, like, there's there's major things that are different. Um, and I'll be curious to see how they wrap it up. Because when the third one comes out at the end of July, it's going to be day and date with every other system. So so that's cool. Um, I'm definitely going to gonna dive into the second one and play through that before the third one. And then the third one, um, who knows when I will finish it. But that sounds like a hell of a good game to play while you're feeding a baby. You're going to have, like, 30 um, RPGs to play with this baby. Yeah. Me me and this kid are going to be playing... Little Octopath and I <laughs> are going to be playing Octopath Traveler, Banner Saga 3. I might even teach him some Captain Toad. Who knows? I already know who the, the next hey um, the next uh, host of the Thirsty Mage is going to be when David retires. Yeah. Yeah. My That's my right. little girl or boy. Host and training. <laughs> yeah. You got to start gonna, them off right. Going to give that little kid a Pokeball when Pokemon Let's Go comes out. <laughs> Help me capture Pokemon and break the TV. Perfect. <laughs> but but yeah, that's that's the banner saga. 
the premise of it sounds interesting. Um, and I, I would like to play it, but I'm assuming it'll probably end up in the backlog bayou. Mm, the old yeah. backlog bayou, man. It's never ending. Yeah. So if if the when that lull comes around, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I wish. Yo, dude, the the lull is supposed to be hitting now. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is ridiculous. The, the the lull was in 2016. Yeah, I think the definition of lull is gonna have to change first. <laughs> yeah, when I'm only playing two other games. But yeah, I guess uh, to bring us to our final game of discussion today. On this podcast that was originally supposed to be 30 minutes to 45 minutes as we approach, yeah. uh, as we eclipse the hour and 10 minute mark. Um, I have been playing <laughs> as well. I know David and I believe Neil, but he might not have started yet. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey Redux for the 3DS, which uh, just released, I get was it this month? Or was it? Yeah, it was only a couple I, weeks ago. I, we got it a little earlier, so I, so I was trying to figure out the timing of it all. But, um, yeah, so Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey was originally released on the DS. They now have brought it over, like many of their DS RPGs. I'm pretty sure they brought, like, all of them over and sort of polished them up a little bit, um, added some new things, some new story branches on uh, on within the game that you could take advantage of. But, uh for me, this was my first time with Strange Journey. I have played uh, mainline SMT games, um, 4 and, and Apocalypse, are two games I absolutely adore, some of my favorite RPGs on the 3DS. So I was excited to try this game out. And This is kind of like the direct predecessor to 4, in a way. Because there, there was a big gap where there wasn't a numbered Shimagami Tensei game, but I remember... I was I was at NWR when Strange Journey came out, and Atlas was kind of selling Strange Journey as like it's basically a numbered game, but we're just not. It doesn't take place in Japan, so we're not going to number it. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying. Like, I guess uh, the biggest difference um, for me, not really knowing much about Strange Journey and coming in having played, you know, some of the newer ones, is that there is no real exploration in in like an overworld there's just the dungeons and the yeah. dungeons aren't so in um Shin Megami Tensei 4 it's like you know you're third person and you see your character like 3D model running around in 3D space you know it, essentially a big chunk is searching the the areas you know then you get bounce into the overworld and as Neil said it takes place in Japan so you are visiting you know places that you know or cities and areas that are real uh, for this game, I will. I will always have fond memories of having to look up an actual map of Tokyo while playing Shimagami Tensei Four. Yeah, because I had no idea where the hell anything was. Yeah, I think I think I had to do that too because I think I was trying to find something and people were like, "Yeah, sort of like the best bet is to to look at a map of Tokyo." And you're like, "Oh, yeah. okay." Look up the the Tokyo public transit system. <laughs> too funny because that will weirdly become relevant here. But uh, but yeah, so. This game, you know, again, I, I was sort of like, okay, it's a SMT game, you know, 3DS. It's probably going to be similar to that. But instead, um, it is quite a bit different, at least on the exploration front. It is, as I said, there's no overworld. So you are sort of, when you're not in the dungeon, you're in this vehicle. Because um, essentially, I guess, sort of jumping all over the place here. To start out with the story is, there down in Antarctica, there is something called the Schwar... The Schwartzwelt. Schwartzfeld. Schwartzfeld. 
And uh, this yeah. is slowly expanding, and it's just destroying everything in its way. And um, they're trying to figure out what the hell it is. So, like, they've sent probes into it, and the probes have sent back images. Uh, they've all been destroyed, but some of them got images back. And you see it's like looks like a shopping mall, and, and it just looks like normal like real world places and they're like this doesn't make any sense because it's just like a big void eating up the world you know like what how could that happen so you are part of a team that is planned to infiltrate the and get in there and see what the heck's up and then essentially you do that and you end up getting stranded so now it's like okay we need to figure our way out but like while we're doing that we need to also sort of see what this is all about so, you know, I, I think that story's interesting. You know, like you said, it's not in Japan, which is a little different from other SMT games. But I thought it was cool because you go down to, like, Antarctica and you're not really knowing what to expect. But now that you're in this thing, they could play with all different kinds of environments. You know what I mean? Like, there's no holds barred. It's like, oh, whatever we want to throw into here can be in here because none of it really makes any sense. So, when you're in those dungeons... um, and how it works is you're like in one area and you sort of got to go through, figure it out. You, you know, eventually beat a boss and then you go, you find out, you it's like, all right, we're in another layer here. And there's a bunch of different layers of this thing. And when you are exploring it, it's very Etrian Odyssey like you're in the first person, um, you know, so and it's all grid based. So when you, you know, you move forward, you move forward one box and it's like, oh, now you need to turn to the right. Oh, you turn and you're still in that box, but now you see to the right and then you can push forward. Um, for me, a lot of that ended up just being like, oh, I'm going to look on the bottom screen at my map with the uh, grid system, you know, to move around instead of actually really paying attention to the top screen. But, you know, I, I sort of like that, um, that form of dungeon crawling. And, you know, as you walk each step, you like you'll see like, oh, there's more of a chance I'm going to get into a battle it's green, then it's orange, then it's red. It's like, okay, I'm going to get into a fight soon. Then you get into a random battle. And then it's very much SMT. You're going to be recruiting demons um, by talking to them. You're going to be fighting demons. Then, you know, as your demons get stronger, they unlock some new abilities. Then you end up going into the... Um, oh God, I'm blanking on the word. Where you go and fuse them. And, you know, you fuse a bunch of different demons together and they yield you a new, more powerful demon. Um, what is a little different, though, in the previous games, which I guess really are the more advanced games, you end up sort of, when you fuse two together, you can sort of pick and choose the the different abilities from those two, and then your new one is sort of like a, a stronger version with a wide range of abilities, you know. This one, that doesn't always happen unless if you, I think it's if you are use them enough you analyze them to i think it's one two and three and once you analyze them level three then they end up giving you like a core and then you can use those cores one time and then that lets you really just pick whatever ability from that monster you know so if you have pyro jack who is you know as you would imagine he's one of the sort of mascot-y characters but he is a fire-based guy now, if I were to use that sort of core from, um, I'm trying to think, uh, what's the, what's the, Fro Jack Frost, is that? Yeah, Jack, yeah. so you use Jack Frost's, and now all of a sudden you have Pyro Jack with Frost abilities, you know? So, it is cool to mix and match, but it can be a bit frustrating, um, talking to the demons, 
because it's mostly, at least in my uh, experience, is like sort of guessing and hoping. Like, oh, okay, um, this demon wants to know if I should, uh, why I'm here. Am I, am I exploring? Am I here to kill demons? Or am I just taking a walk in the park? And you're like, all right, well, like, does this demon look like it, it wants to hear a joke or something, you know, more funny? Or is it more serious? And like I said, I don't know, there might be more of a rhyme and reason to it. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, that pissed them off. Oh, they attacked me. Okay. Um, yeah, it, there's, there's definitely a random element to it. Like, the, uh, I know that there's, there's demons that are, because there's different classes. There's like law, neutral, and chaos. And then within those three, there's, like, different levels of it. So responses, like, chaos responses, obviously, are better for the chaos demons. But there, even on top of that, there's still a random element to it. Because I remember there was one particular demon I needed to fuse something. And so, uh, so I went and talked to it. And the responses that I, like, so I... So in the first encounter, I got certain responses, and then in this, and then it, I didn't, for whatever reason, I, I didn't collect them. So then I had to fight, find them again, and I got the same question, and I answered the same way, but then I got a different response. <laughs> so there's like, so there is still even with the responses, still a, a, a like a random, you know, a randomness to, yeah. to it that it's, it's not, it's not like a predetermined to a certain extent. It's there's still that randomness to it so yeah it, it can be frustrating where sometimes it's just kind of you have to get lucky to get them sometimes and uh one thing that is different with the battle system so in four and apocalypse i believe if you get a you know if you use um an ability that is strong against the uh, the demon that you're fighting is weak against it so you know the uh the press turns yeah system. so you get the bonus attack so with in the previous ones, it'd be like, oh, I get an extra attack, so it cycles through, and then that, you know, demon or your player character gets to attack again. This one, though, when you hit weak, it, I mean, obviously it's going to do more damage, but if you have demons that are aligned with your alignment, so like you said, if I, I was chaos, so if I have two of my three demons in my party are chaos, when I hit a weak, they're going to follow up with an attack and it'll be a joint attack, and it just hits a nice hit of damage, you know. But if there's only one, then it's only that one attacks, and it's a little less. So that's pretty cool to encourage, like, try and get those demons that are aligned with you, because then it's going to be more beneficial to hit these weak spots. And that could be um, a game-changer, especially when you start fighting some of these bosses, which are pretty tough. Um, you know, SMT is generally known for being a tough uh, series I think this one is not as bad. I'm still working through this game. I'm I'm not I don't I forget exactly. It's been a couple days since I played, but I think I'm in like the third area um or or maybe the fourth. But it's definitely been more forgiving than previous ones. But then again, I think Apocalypse was more forgiving than 4, so maybe they're just sort of trying to dial it back a little bit um as far as at least like the normal difficulty, but I mean it is um SMT for sure, like you said, if you've played them before, you're going to definitely be do fusing demons, doing all that jazz. But it is uh, different enough that it's a nice change of pace. And, you know, I, I, I love SMT, so. 
Uh, I know yeah. the, the the DS version was, I think, one of the hardest in the series. Um, I know they they significantly dropped the difficulty down in the 3DS remake, or I guess port more. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed it. Uh, I'm I think I I can't remember if I'm in the fifth or if I'm like right at the end of the fourth. Um, but yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. I uh, and I my party, so I've got all three of my uh, all three of my demons are the same as me. So now when I hit a weak weak point, it's it, there's three other. It's basically four hits every time. Um, and then I, I kind of utilize the sources to try to have each demon have like a different element so that depending on who you meet, you at least get one weak weak point. Um, and it's funny. I was actually a little bit more prepared because, uh, I, I did the review for Nintendo world report and, uh, I had told Seren that I was doing it and, uh, she convinced me to, uh, play soul hackers right before to kind of prepare for it. And it's, uh, a very similar game. Um, in the sense of it's it's that uh, grid based map and um and and the way you go through dungeons and that so it was it was uh and, and soul hackers was much harder than <laughs> than uh, strange journey so it was uh, it was uh, an easy tra- yeah it was an easy transition I, I was going into strange journey thinking it was going to be tough and i'm like man this is a lot easier than the game i was just playing yeah, if you're a fan of SNT, it's like, I, I guess, well, there's difficulty, like, I think you could choose, like, if you're a, if you're one of the hardcore and you are and you start playing it, you're like, ah, this is too easy. I'm pre- fairly certain there was a, you could up the, up the difficulty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could change journey, up or so. down either way. Yeah. And then they did add a, a separate storyline to this one that wasn't in the original Strange Journey, uh, the Alex character. Uh, which, uh, I mean, it's probably best not to get into it in case someone's uh, wanting to play it. But it's essentially there's like a, a separate dungeon that you can go to whenever you want. Uh, that it's kind of it's like it's intertwined in the main story, but it's kind of on its own as well. Good stuff. I don't. Cool. Well. Uh, so we've kind of doubled our, our time alive, <laughs> which se- seems to be a recurring theme, uh, on the thirsty mage. Well, so. I won't lie. Uh, when you originally it's... said half hour to 45 minutes, I laughed. I was like, <laughs> I thought that was a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's how we, we, we suck you in. It's like the hotel California, you know, <laughs> yeah, you get one beer in you, right? And then next thing you know, it's hours later and way more you beers can... down. That's right. You can't just have one. But yeah, I guess a good time to wrap things up. we gotten through uh, at least 10, I think, games. And, yeah, we covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of ground. There's, there's plenty more coming. We got, we'll have plenty more to talk about soon. So uh, stay tuned for that. And um, yeah, I guess uh, if you're looking for some more in-depth uh, reviews, all of the games that we've talked about, well, the Nintendo-based ones, are all on NintendoWorldReport.com. Uh, or you can check out the YouTube page, too, because uh, pretty much all of them, I think, maybe... Well, minus SMT, less, maybe right? one or two. Or... Probably has a video review. Oh, yeah, SMT doesn't have one, because I have no idea how to connect that to my computer. Um, 
But like, if you want to check out uh, Night War or Banastaga, we got the uh, video reviews up for those uh, on our YouTube channel, so you can check those out there. And uh, if you want to follow us, we're on Twitter um, at the Thirsty Mage uh, to keep you up to date on when episodes will be posting. But uh, other than that, I think that's uh, that's it for another episode of the Thirsty Mage. All right. Adios. Have a good one. Thank you.